want to talk about the Democrat governor's mixing FDA-approved chloroquine. Is the, is the virus spending from Congress a socialist rescue package? Help America work again. And finally, hope American goodness is overflowing. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm going to guess a lot of you listening from around the country and around the world are obviously closely following the coronavirus crisis, the way the world is handling it, how we're all responding. And as you may be able to tell, if you watch my show regularly, we are not in our studio. We are in Dallas, Texas, where there is indeed a shelter in place rule. So I'm doing the show from home. I'm extremely grateful for my producer, Matt Stoker, who's who's producing the show from his home uh, and for the Real News PR studio, who's helping this all happen, even during the coronavirus unfortunate episode we're all going through. I want to start by today in the first five talking about a great thing that happened in America, which was the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, um, very quickly went ahead with testing and approved for prescription medication in America, the uh, drug chloroquine and some of the related items uh, they actually gave, the FDA gave emergency authorization for doctors, hospitals to use this medication to help people suffering from the coronavirus. It was a really great thing because when there was first discussion by President Trump in various of his news conferences, he said things like, you know, I've heard this thing is working other places, they're doing testing. And of course, right away, because the, the lamestream media simply cannot resist any opportunity to attack him, they began mocking and ridiculing and uh, claiming President Trump was giving false hope and claiming he was confusing people. We already talked about in the show the very unfortunate episode in Arizona where a a couple consumed fish tank cleaner because a product in the fish tank cleaner had a similar name to the medical product chloroquine and unfortunately the husband and that couple passed away. But they were not ingesting the medication the FDA has just approved. To be very clear, the FDA has approved the use in America of chloroquine. And I want to just mention a couple of things that were really interesting about it. For all of the criticism of conservatives and President Trump in particular, that we that we're too bold with the America first idea, that we never listen to anyone else, that we think we're better than everyone else. The reason President Trump went ahead and made that comment during a news conference about the potential efficacy of chloroquine to help coronavirus patients was because of research done in other countries. In France, a double blind test was being done. France, where this drug had been already been used, double blind test, meaning they're giving some people the real drug and some people others, and you know, it's, a, it's a formula they use. But the point is, this doctor researcher in France that said, hey, this is these are great results. This is 79 out of 80 patients on whom it was tested actually improved. And so we had President Trump hearing about these reports, listening to experts in other countries and saying, you know what, maybe we should try this here. So we had, of course, uh, we had the country of France now approved it. Other countries, uh, including uh, the country of Bahrain, has said they've discovered uh, tremendous results from the use of chloroquine. And so they're thrilled, of course, um, to have, of course, everyone's thrilled to have any way to fight or to help heal people suffering from coronavirus. So the country of Bahrain has also claimed success of using this drug, which I've mentioned in the past, this drug had been previously approved by the FDA in our country and by countries around the world to uh, deal with malaria. Malaria, obviously a deadly a disease, which over, if you know, if you've ever traveled in countries where malaria is common, uh, people take malaria pills the whole time they're traveling, which um, I have done actually traveling in Africa. Uh, you take this malarial drug and I'm getting at the point the drug is not something new that dropped out mystically out of nowhere. It's been around for a while and doctors were discovering it was doing well in helping, helping people with the coronavirus. But some Democrat governors more driven, more driven by hatred or disdain for President Trump than for the well-being of their own citizens and idiotically 
citing the story of the unfortunate Arizona couple who consumed fish tank cleaner because the name of the product in the fish tank cleaner was something like the actual medical product that you're supposed to be using. Some Democrat governors actually banned the use of chloroquine in their states and now said doctors would th uh, face the threat of losing their medical license should they possibly prescribe this medication. An interesting thing happened actually though in Nevada as a, I, you know, I don't wanna, I understand everyone in America wants us to get through this virus crisis. Everyone understands we have got to get through it. We've got to deal with our challenges and, and people who are uh, suffering. But the idiotic, politically based reactions of some governors do deserve some rebuke. I will tell you actually about the Nevada governor because it's kind of funny what's happened with him. He was the first one of the uh, 50 states governors who pounced on President Trump's reference to chloroquine and saying that he uh, his wasn't let that happen in his state. So this governor of Nevada, Governor Sisolak, uh, a Democrat announced that 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 drug was banned in his state. I'm not even sure, by the way, he has authority under federal law to do that. I think there's actually probably a question there whether he even has that authority to order doctors not to use a drug once the FDA has approved it. But Sisolak is now trying to walk back or, or maybe his defenders would say clarify what he previously said, because now what he's saying is, you know, actually, all I really trying to do was to prevent doctors um, or other entities in private uh, practice from hoarding chloroquine. I was trying to just signal that you need to leave the chloroquine you already have on hand and perhaps, and, and people are in America taking the chloroquine medication already. I was just trying to make sure that we sent the message that we have to reserve the chloroquine for the hospitals dealing with coronavirus patients. So he's saying no ban here. No, never mind. We didn't really mean that at all. Unfortunately, President Trump has gotten into a bit of a uh, back and forth with the uh, Michigan governor, who uh, also, just out of pure nastiness, launched a ridiculous statement saying that her and her state, they're not having any of this chloroquine. She actually had someone uh, speak up, a citizen of her state, say, actually, you know, when I had coronavirus, I got to take the chloroquine and it actually really helped me a lot. So I wish we could talk about why you're banning it here. So these governors having to walk back the uh, kind of just knee-jerk, do we find another way to attack President Trump reaction uh, to this chloroquine? But in closing out the first five, I really I want to say this. This ought to be this time in America and around the world when we're all dealing with the alarming uh, numbers related to coronavirus, and they aren't as alarming as many people are telling you, but they are alarming. It's a, it's a relatively new disease. It's scaring people. You have people frozen in place, very, very alarmed. There ought to be a dropping, a dropping away, a leaving to the side, political differences of every kind, and instead an agreement among everyone across the aisle, both sides of the aisle, wherever you stand politically, that we're in this fight together. We Americans are in this fight together to help get, pe get help to people who are suffering from coronavirus, to get adequate test kits uh, out to the world, out to America, so that we can find out where we really stand, to help people who are suffering, to stop, to try to help spread, uh, stop the spread of this disease, and ultimately to develop a vaccine, to get, move our economy toward getting the products needed to fight, to, to deal with the coronavirus, whether it's from masks, to ventilators, to hospital gowns, all the things that are needed. We ought to have a, we're in this together attitude, and. I will say, to be fair, there are more people coming on board. Governor Cuomo, New York Governor Cuomo first, uh, he's been very back and forth. He praised President Trump for his handling of the coronavirus um, problem we're all facing, this epidemic we're facing. And then he walked back and said, well, you know, he's done some things I don't like too well. And I'm not sure he's really, uh, you know, he was kind of critical of him. And then he decided, you know, on third thought, here we are in New York. I think maybe we need to try to be working together. So he's kind of backed off from his criticism is again on board with understanding. And to use the precise term that they're developing, it is the use of hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. And in New York, uh, they are talking about actually also using that. There's a drug they combine it with. And the whole point is there are governors finally realizing maybe for once we can drop the endless 
back and forth, petty, you know, attacking President Trump every step of the way, every word he says, maybe it's time we band together and act like the grown-ups that the country needs to handle this crisis. Uh, and so, you know, closing out, I will say I'm, I'm very grateful that FDA moved quickly. That was definitely with President Trump's prodding, telling them, you know, because I, normally they do want to test. And, and we're glad that we have an FDA that normally wants to test drugs or in, even though they had approved this drug in the past for malaria, wants to test drugs. And they're, if it's going to be used for a new application, we're grateful we have that kind of FDA. But we're also grateful in this time where we're living under this struggle that we actually had the FDA respond to President Trump's, as he described it, a conversation kind of saying, you know what, we, we need this yesterday. We need this testing. We need this done. So they have cautiously given this emergency permission to use this drug. Uh, let us all hope and pray that's very, very helpful for people suffering from coronavirus. And that, my friends, is today's first five. Um, I do want to talk about the rescue package. You know, we were we were uh, talking last week when the first the, the Democrats came up with their rescue package, their uh, spending bill in Congress, what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, the Democrat bill put together by Nancy Pelosi was just, an, I mean, people were calling it the um, Democrat Christmas tree, you know, ornaments dangling from every uh, every branch, just all sorts of completely irrelevant spending, completely irrelevant spending uh, that, so then that didn't fly. Then the Senate version came together, which was negotiated by the Senate uh, Republicans and Senate Democrats, came together with a bill. Uh, Nancy Pelosi flew back into town. She was briefly, briefly threatening to hold it up and, you know, stick in all the fancy, the, the kind of, it wasn't just fancy spending. It was kind of the, you know, Democrat wish list that they could run the country if they had a Democrat supermajority in the Senate and a Democrat majority in the House and a Democrat in the White House. You know, all this Green New Deal stuff, all of this completely irrelevant, you know, not just spending, but actual policy implementation through this bill that the Democrats were trying to get. And fortunately, honestly, the uh, bill in the Senate with that was hammered out between the Democrats and Republicans passed the Senate 96 to nothing. And so when it went over to the House, even though Nancy Pelosi tried to make a bunch of noise about how she was going to have to fix it, pretty much that bill got through as it was because actually the American public was letting the Democrat Party know, quit playing politics. This is serious quit playing politics and get something done, which, which they did do. But I want to mention something. This is a very long-term consideration thing. And I want to just uh, I hit some of the high points of, of the concerns all of us should have about what was in the, um, the socialist rescue coronavirus bill. Um, as one small point, just to, just to make sure you understand the kind of crazy that was in it, uh, you had in that bill $25 million went to the Kennedy Center. Now, if any of you have been in Washington, we used to live in Washington. We went to the Kennedy Center at Christmas time with our kids and they were growing up. You know, it's a beautiful place. It's a national treasure to have in Washington. It has nothing to do with coronavirus, but one of the many things that was negotiated in order to get the bill through was funding for the Kennedy Center. So Kennedy Center gets $25 million right after getting the 25 million dollars in the uh, coronavirus bailout package the stimulus package the kennedy center announced that as of april 3rd next week they are excuse me this week this this friday uh they're no longer going they're essentially laying off all of their musicians so they're not using the corona not only was their receipt of any money out of the coronavirus stimulus rescue bill irrelevant to helping americans with coronavirus but they're even saying, we're not going to use this money to keep our own people employed. Obviously, Kennedy Center, as all other places, must be closed because of social distancing. But they're not even going to use it to do the primary purpose of the rescue package was to help Americans get through this crisis. Those people now unemployed, stuck at home, not getting a paycheck, going to be among the people who are looking to the government to pay them, and they may be getting money out of, out of the package anyway. But the point is, if you ever need a proof that we should not be sticking in irrelevant things into the coronavirus rescue bill, you, have, you look at what the Kennedy Center did. They did not use it to save their workers, to protect their workers, to protect the people who come there. 
They are going to use it for whatever reason it is, probably making political donations to the Democrat Party, most certainly uh, perhaps to improve their facility, but not to keep America employed, which was the entire reason of, for the bill. But this is not my main socialist criticism of the rescue bill. I did see some people, some conservatives, urging President Trump not to sign it. He has signed it, and he had to sign it. He had no choice. You can't be in this level of crisis in our country and simply refuse to sign it when you have a Democrat majority in the House that wanted more money spent, and you barely have a Republican majority in the Senate, and you've got to always hold them together with, you know, with all sorts of straggling members of the Republican Party barely supporting it. So we had the... Um, we had the coronavirus bill get through with some things and, and the real the reasons among the reasons I'm very, very concerned about the kinds of things in there. To start with, we'll talk about health care. Much of what the coronavirus bill is doing is centering people's thinking around the idea that we need centralized health care policy. What the Democrat Party has wanted, not just since Barack Obama came along, but really for decades, all the leftists in this country, the communists in this country, the Democrat socialists have always wanted government controlled health care. In a national health care problem like this, this bill, this spending bill, tons and tons of money going into the health care industry. This is convincing people that, that the idea of centralized health care is the direction America is headed. Not and not private insurance, not helping private insurance, not private clinics, not private hospitals. It all has to do with promoting and funding the centralized health care control um, that we are that the left is trying to push our country toward. We still need to be in a very strong battle among conservatives in this country to say no to centralized health care, no to the Medicare for all, all the fans, all the you know friendly sounding ways the Democrats try to describe. What they really mean is we are going to take over the entire health care system. You have no more health care freedom left in our country. And this is where this bill helped to trend America. So you have also in this bill, uh, we have uh, related where we are politically in this country, you have Sanders, Bernie Sanders, calling for the nationalization of the energy industry as the only way. I mean, this is the left combines all of their issues, but centralization of the uh, energy industry, nationalization of all the energy industry, uh, because that's what's needed to combat climate change. And his supporters very, very committed uh, to this cause at a Sanders rally. I mean, a, Standards rally of people speaking about a powerful socialist movement to end capitalist oppression and exploitation. So you have a country trending toward, uh, if you were to get Bernie Sanders, which I don't think he's going to win the nomination, but you have that mindset in the left pushing and pushing centralized control over um, over the healthcare industry. Uh, you had in, in uh, the state of New York, Governor Cuomo has created a state-controlled hand sanitizer factory. Can't rely on those private industries, many of whom are jumping in to say, we will manufacture hand sanitizer. We'll do it as fast as we can. We're happy to manufacture more. We're happy to help America meet the needs. But no, you have the Democrats in this country pushing for Governor Cuomo actually establishing in New York a state-controlled hand sanitizer factory. Hey, who's to stop that? You have endless discussion in Washington about uh, price controls related to price controls relating to drugs needed for to help uh, coronavirus patients. You have in this bill again in this bill we just passed because we're in the middle of a crisis. You have massive expansion of the welfare state, massive expansion of the welfare state. You have people staying home because they're not allowed to go to work because of our distancing. We have. So the social distancing, distancing guidelines out of Washington, and then you have cities, counties, and states issuing all sorts of orders, shutting down our economy, shutting down our government, shut, excuse me, shutting down our private industries, shutting down American jobs. So people sitting at home are thinking, oh, now I don't work anymore because the government actually pays me to not work. I'm getting money from the government. It starts next week. And so you have people sitting at home thinking this is how you go through life. And I'll also tell you folks that there were Republicans in the Senate saying this is really dangerous because the level of pay we're sending to people, the amount of money we are sending to American people now in this coronavirus crisis is more than some of them will be earning, more than some will be earning. So 
if you talk about the way you're pushing our country toward a larger and larger uh, determination to have um, government-controlled society, government-controlled economy, this bill pushed Americans in that direction. And it is, you know, you can say, well, it's a crisis. What are we going to do about it? You know, we, we got we to get through this. Part of what we have to do about it is to continue to refer to it and to treat it, to have our politicians talking about this as a temporary emergency measure. We're not going to stay home and have the government simply provide paychecks for all of America. And, you know, folks, there were many ways. I am not just blaming this massive bill on the Democrats. Republicans had to go along. You know, the Republicans have the majority in the Senate, but just barely. And they knew they had to deal with the House where the Democrats have a majority. But Republicans, you know, you could have I mean, there were some people saying Republicans just need to be pushing back to the point that if we can't get a deal, we'll say to America, sorry, no deal. Now, I don't think that would have been wise. I think we would have had a major, major um, uh, extreme, even more extreme meltdown in America than we're already having. Um, but this all of this thinking will be pushing the leftists. All of this thinking behind the coronavirus bill, the massive amount of money. I mean, we didn't even talk about on today's show, the 2.2 trillion. Okay, this is more money than anyone listening to this show, and including myself, can even envision. These are just monopoly money, fairy tale numbers. We don't have $2.2 trillion sitting around in Washington waiting to be spent on a crisis. We don't have it. So we're spending it. We're going to get you know, we're going to get money in people's hands. And so we don't have, um, we don't have, uh, it seems that we have no choice then to get something out to them. But they're, they're concerned about we're not going to have people as inspired to get back to work, as inspired as they might have been because we're paying them more than we were paying them um, at when they had jobs in the private sector. But one last positive about this, this bill, I'm, we're going to keep talking about because the Democrats in the House, and actually both sides, are already talking about we need to have another stimulus bill, another uh, bill out of Washington to deal with the coronavirus. I will say one positive that came out of it is there have been psychologists talking about the idea um, that people actually needed to have a sense that the government was doing something, that, that this virus bill despite the fact that it's funny money, we don't have enough money, is paying people more than they need. It is centralizing power in Washington. It is embedding in the minds of the American people that we have a centralized economy, a centralized industries, the entire healthcare industry run out of Washington, all of those bad steps for America. But we did have some people and many people so uh, upset, distraught, alarmed about the coronavirus that just having the government step up, say they're going to do something, actually do something, put something in place, that there will be money in people's hands, that this was actually a psychological boost, even maybe more than an economic boost, a psychological boost to the people of America as they sense that the government is trying to help that everyone understands what a level of panic we are in in this country, that everyone is out of a job, that the industries are closed, jobs are closed, everything's shut down. People needed some sense, some signal from Washington that we are, that the government's trying to help. Now, I'll tell you, I view that actually as a mixed bag, as a, you know, kind of a, um, yeah, we're helping them, and so that's good, but... It, it also is another element of that thinking that that trends toward convincing people, you know, we're going to have to become more dependent in government, that our job as citizens is to sit home in our homes and wait for the next check to come, wait for the government to solve this. There is a spirit rising in our country among more and more people that are saying this, this complete shutdown of our country cannot continue. Before I get off this, I wanted to. I, I sent a uh, clip to Matt the Wonderful. Uh, there was a statement out of Washington today, which is going to be a good springboard for a couple of things we're talking about. But a statement out of Washington today uh, by President or yesterday by President Trump about extending the federal guidelines related to the. Um, I want. Uh, related to the uh, coronavirus and the need to, to perpetuate social distancing. So this is Matt, the one if I believe has clip one, I think it was.
or maybe he doesn't. Matt, do we have that? Clip? I want that the American people to know that your selfless, inspiring, and valiant efforts are saving countless lives. You are making the difference. The modeling estimates that the peak in death rate is likely to hit in two weeks. Therefore, we will be extending our guidelines to April 30th to slow the spread. I want every citizen in our country to take heart and confidence in the fact that we have the best medical minds in the world tackling this disease. We have the best science, the best researchers, and the best talent anywhere working night and day to protect your family and loved ones and to overcome this pandemic. You know, I, I appreciate it. It's so interesting during this time of crisis. I've noticed a lot of things. I, I'm First of all, I'm very grateful for President Trump. He is continuing to get up there every day, to be positive, to pull together sources needed, to work on this problem. And what I, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show, I think it's so unfortunate we have the, the, the political sniping by some, uh, mostly members of the American left. You know, we have sniping by certainly the leftist pundits and by a couple of governors and others just sniping. But I, I have been grateful for the way President Trump has taken on this challenge. He didn't create the coronavirus. It's not his fault. It fell in our lap in America. And he is taking charge and handling it and stepping up. That announcement, in fact, I'm going to play Matt the Wonderful. There's one other clip I sent you today. Let's play that other clip, and then I'll make these other points I want to make, if you have that second clip available. I know that we will achieve victory and quickly return to the path of exceptional health, safety, and prosperity for all of our citizens. Uh, we have to get back to work. Our people want to work. They want to go back. They have to go back. And... Uh, we're going to be talking about dates. We're going to be talking uh, with a lot of great professionals. But this is a country that was built on getting it done. And our people want to go back to work. I'm hearing, I'm hearing it loud and clear from everybody. So we'll see what, uh, what happens. We're going to have a lot more information early next week, and we'll be reporting that back. But I just want to leave it with you. We have to go back. This is the United States of America. They don't want to sit around and wait, and uh, they'll be practicing. And by the way, a lot of people misinterpret when I say go back. They're going to be practicing as much as you can, social distancing and washing your hands and not shaking hands and all of the things that we talk about so much. But they have to go back to work. Our country has to go back. Our country is based on that. And uh, I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. A lot of progress is made, but we got to go back to work. You know, it's kind of funny, friends. Uh, I'm going to uh, shift to the next topic and then make some points about those. But the next topic I want to talk about today has to do with um, Help America Work Again. I want to say a couple of things about President Trump has done. And I, I, those two clips together. He is in a way that, you know, kind of amuses his supporters and just you know, causes those who are not the Donald Trump, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome sufferers and the, just the people who spend all day long trying to attack him, the manner of his speech where he repeats things. I sometimes actually play the, like we just listened to a moment ago, play the repeat things because I think it is kind of, it's become entertaining and almost kind of soothing to people. President Trump understands that the American people, the country, the economy has to move forward. People want to work again. They don't want to be as the as many leftists are kind of enjoying watching happen. The American uh, population has become weakened, has become uh, kind of helplessly dependent. We have this notion of centralized government taking care of us. These these steps that we're doing right now these help the le the socialist agenda in this country. You cannot miss that point. Every step we're doing in this country that that helps that has us you know, frozen in place at home, depending on the government sending us checks to survive, these are steps along the path to changing on a broad scale in this country, changing the mindset of the people from being a people rooted in freedom and self-reliance and determination and hard work to a people who are just waiting for the government to take care of them. So I want to say a couple of things uh, on the extension of the social distancing through April 30th. That is now a Washington, D.C. guideline. The America needs to 
extend the, the deadline for social distancing. So everyone understands all the things you're supposed to be doing. Social distancing and, and not shaking hands and washing your hands, all the things and keeping everything super, super clean. That we're going to continue those special practices through at least April 30th. But as you heard President Trump allude to, and I want to make this my point, it does not mean we have to all agree to stay home through April 30th. It does not mean every city council member, county authority, state governor of every state has to keep in place the extreme shutdown rules that are governing in many jurisdictions in our country. We are capable as Americans of going back to work. President Trump was hopeful by Easter. I was hopeful by Easter. I'm still a little bit hopeful by Easter that you're going to have more people in authority, like our governors, our mayors, and our county officials saying, look, our numbers are, 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 you know, are dropping down or leveling off or, or you know, we're, we're doing more and more testing. We're realizing that most of the, the uh, population's fine. Uh, that in, I'll tell you what, in Texas, our numbers, we continue to be rapidly testing in Texas and over 90% of people tested do not have coronavirus. And they're only testing people who meet criteria where they might have coronavirus. So we're doing testing, we're getting to a place in this country where we are, we're getting more and more data to understand where we are, who's been exposed, and we're recognizing still that even among those who have been exposed, who have uh, been infected with a coronavirus, 80% of them basically have no symptoms. They, they just, or they get over that. 80% are just, they're, they're fine, or they may feel like they have a bad cold or a flu, but they're, and, and, and they're walking around asymptomatic and they're in 80% of people get through this without any serious problem. We have a very tiny percent of those people who've contracted coronavirus, who very sadly are passing away from that disease. We want to stop the virus. We want to get it under control. We want people following all the standards we've, that have been set in place in terms of how to engage in social distancing and not handshaking and doing your hand washing, all those things. But we can do those things as a responsible society. At the same time, we work toward getting America working again. The longer America is out of work, the better and better the Democrats' chances are of winning in the fall. The longer Americans stay out of work, the longer the mentality sinks into people that we really were, we're afraid to go out, we can't go out, we just sit home, we wait for the government to send us a check, and we never do anything. The longer that becomes a norm in America, the more dangerous it is to us. And there are literally, folks, millions and millions and millions of Americans who want to go back to work, who are ready, who would like to go back. We can still honor all of the rules, but get back to work. Open businesses again, open restaurants again, have let the restaurants and businesses engage in the social distancing and the protections. I'm not saying we're ready for that today. I am saying that we have to have more of a mindset in this country that we're ready to move back to work because the not working, the staying home, the growing normalization of centralized power in Washington, sitting at home, waiting for a paycheck, getting paid more by the government than you get paid in your job you used to have, these are unhealthy things for the entire American culture. And I'll tell you a couple of things uh, along those lines. There, were, there was just eye-rolling and, and angry disdain when several people, including Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas, raised the idea that we've got to get back to work and kind of eye-rolling disdain about the idea that we can't go back to work until the virus is gone. We can't. No one can be out. Everyone has to stay home. How could you care more about the economy and money than you do about grandma in the nursing home? But that's not what the people who are advocating we have to get back to work are saying. They're not saying grandma doesn't matter. They're saying we're smart enough people. We can protect the vulnerable. We can protect people in nursing homes and other people who for every reason have a vulnerability, a susceptibility to coronavirus. We can protect them. But, and, but we can at the same time decide 
we are going to have a determination to return America to the self-reliant working country that it has always meant to be. President Trump alluded to that in those brief remarks we, we played a moment ago where he was saying, this is not what America is about. It's not who we are. We, we, we like to work. We go to work. So I want to mention all, along those lines, uh, one is that the American Enterprise Institute, a Washington-based think tank, a conservative think tank, although they've gotten a little, um, uh, they've, they've changed over the last years. But in any case, the American Enterprise Institute has out a, I mean, I didn't even bother downloading, it was so lengthy, but a lengthy, detailed proposal for how America can get back to work. I'm telling you about it today because I want you to know that people who are thoughtful, who love America, who love this country, who love people, who, who are good, noble, thinking people, are realizing we have to get back to work. We have to somehow reopen America. We can't stay shut down for for months and months and months, as some people on the left are envisioning. We have to have some more faith in the American people that people can go back to work and engage in social distancing and engage in the kind of practices we're all following. So the American Enterprise Institute has a very detailed plan that weaves into it considerations about what level of infection in your community? What level, how are, the, how are you trending in your community? Are you trending up in terms of more cases or are you trending down? We've had it under control. How are we doing in terms of testing in your community? So it has defining communities doing well statistically and it has programs to say we've got to, you know, who's logical to bring back to work first? The point is really thoughtful, kind-hearted, generous people are realizing we have to get the country working. It's not because we're greedy. It's not because we're driven by money and the almighty dollar. It is because people who think about these things deeply recognize what it means to go be working, what it means to have a good economy is human comfort, is human life. It is a recognition that we need to have a country that eventually comes back to manufacturing our own goods, that, comes, that has jobs so you have places to go and work, so you have items to buy at the grocery store, so you have items so you can carry on your life, that we cannot let a horrific virus, which was and is horrific, you can't let that virus end America. And if you continue on the path, many people such as the mayor of Los Angeles saying he may continue the shutdown order in Los Angeles for at least to the end of May, people, the, the economy will be shot. The economy is not something like, I, I think that some people who don't think in economic terms very often, they think of it, my analogy I thought up this morning, was like a carton of ice cream that's frozen. And so you're worried about the ice cream, so you stick it in the freezer, and it sits in the freezer, and the Ice cream is the economy. You just stick it in there, ignore it, deal with the rest of life and deal with the virus and deal with all of getting the, the you know, all of the testing done that needs to be done and all of the vaccines development we need to have developed and all of the uh, medication out and the chloroquine available and all of the practices that you only deal with the virus. And that's all we'll think about for months and months. And then months later, we'll pull that ice cream back out of the freezer and eat it then. And then the ice cream being the economy, that the economy will just be there. We just snap our fingers and there it is. It's all, we all have it back. The economy is not like that. And this is why I want to keep talking about the idea. You can be a loving, thoughtful, caring person and recognize we have to care about the American economy. We have to care about whether we get people back to work, whether and how we get them back to work. We have to care about that. We can't decide as the, the American people that we're just not going to care about it and somehow or other that when we pull the ice cream carton back out of the freezer months later, it'll still be fine. The economy takes time to get revved up, to get all the connected pieces back together, to get the workers back who have them. I mean, all of the connected pieces of our economy are what make our economy. It's not a, it's not a, a frozen thing. It's not just a, you know, a, a physical thing. It's a bunch of interrelated people and industry and jobs and connections. And they're all, and they've all been frozen in place. 
and to rev it back up is going to take a commitment and it's going to take people recognizing that we that keeping the getting the economy moving again getting people working again is about making human comfort i'll tell you one last quick thing um there was uh, one county in tennessee last week uh where there were more suicides than there were deaths from the coronavirus and I'm telling you that the impact of the depression, the sense of helplessness, the sense of no way out of this, the sense of shut in, is not because you have cabin fever and you really, really want to go outside. And it's not because you're just dying to go do some frivolous, silly errands, like go to the mall shopping and buy some new shoes. It's not like that. It's about the idea that we want to have a sense of purpose and mission and activity. That's what the economy is. And if we don't have that, for months on end, if there's no hope in sight, no no future plan in sight, we will actually have a problem in America with people becoming depressed, people feeling hopeless, people looking at their, their lifelong plan to retire. They were gonna retire this year or next year and their retirement, their entire retirement savings are depleted, they're gone. They have no way to bring it back. This, that the that idea of depression and helplessness, we will lose American lives. It's not a frivolous consideration. It's that if you really care about people, it's a real people consideration. Bringing jobs back is bringing the economy back, is bringing life back to our lives and and goods and services and activity and the, all of our that our economy has produced and all its precious prosperous American history. Okay, one last thing. We're almost out of time today, but I want one other topic very quickly about American goodness is overflowing. I want to just encourage you to feel hopeful. I think part of what happens as we deal with this virus is we begin to feel hopeless. We see bad headlines. We see scary headlines. We hear of someone we know who is suffering from it, or we read about the conditions in the hospitals and the concerns and the emergency rooms. And we all care about those and everyone's doing everything we can think of to try to help. And the government is, and, and President Trump is, and individual private industries are doing everything they can think of. So, for example, and I just want to give you hope and encourage you, we're going to get through this. We are going to get through this. One little tidbit of hope, President Trump says, Abbott Labs are going to begin shipping 50,000 50,000 five-minute coronavirus tests every day starting this week. So we've had a problem, insufficient tests on hand. Abbott Labs stepping up. 50,000 coronavirus tests every day shipped this week by Abbott Labs. We have so many new manufacturers jumping in to manufacture masks, individual businesses. I've mentioned in one of the show that my pillow guy is making them, as are some other text man, uh, a company in Virginia that used to create uh, pads for when your pet is uh, not house trained, is, is going to turn those in his company into making masks. You have, you have business after business after business jumping in to say, we'll take care of this, we'll help. A really cool thing happened. MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, announced they have a cheap ventilator design. They have come up with a cheap ventilator machine design that they are making available to anyone, open source. Anyone can use this design. And this is going to make <clears throat> ventilators that have cost about $100 to, to uh, build. And so this is, again, MIT, fabulous American institution, comes up with a ventilator, open sourcing, anyone can use it to create ventilators for $100 instead of the far higher price that we that uh, other have you know have been in the past when there wasn't such a rush on them. Tesla, Tesla uh, stepped up. They're going to have their uh, I think it was in uh, Buffalo, New York someplace. Uh, they're going to they're opening up a factory there to uh, make ventilators. Um, so and so then I want to leave you some uh, last bits of tidbit of good news and hope as we uh, wrap up the show today. Uh, one number one is Across the globe, yes, people are catching and have contracted coronavirus, but across this globe of the 461,000 who've been diagnosed, 461,000 across this globe, only 20,000 have died. I wish the number were zero. I know you wish the number were zero, 
but it is not, most people contracted are not dying. They're recovering. You have at least 113,000 people around the globe fully recovered, fully recovered and volunteering their blood to be used as a possible other source of helping use the plasma for people who are suffering from coronavirus to help them move, move along the way. You have an, so you have people, you have tremendous numbers recovering. You have a small percentage dying from this. You have in America, again, the coronavirus disease in America, of course it's spreading. And of course we've had a problem with where we are today though. Total cases, 122,000 in America. 122,000 in America as of today, this is from the CDC's numbers, have, have contracted coronavirus and uh, only slightly over 2,000, 2,112 have died. It is, we are, we're facing an, a, a, you know, an unfortunate problem. We are fighting it. We're working hard in this country. And we have in this country, again, as of today, only 2,112 deaths out of 122,000 cases. And just to contrast it with the flu, many people still asking the valid question, are we overreacting in terms of shutting down the entire economy because of coronavirus? in light of comparison with numbers of people who have the flu in this country as of today if you check the cdc numbers you have a minimum of 24,000 deaths this flu season in america 24,000 deaths from the flu as compared with 2,000 from coronavirus and you have in america 38 million the low end 38 million people contracted the flu this year. Many people continuing to press to ask the question, are we overreacting and shutting down the economy? You have President Trump watching the numbers, being advised by wonderful doctors, watching predictions of numbers and all that and flatten the curve. And we're going to know in this coming week whether those predictions are coming couple of weeks, whether we've managed to flatten the curve. But the point is, America is being America in this crisis. We are jumping on board. We are helping the world through our example, through our shipping and supplies that we have, by getting on top of our the problems we have here, by developing tests as fast as we can, which are just extraordinary. Just two weeks ago, tests were taking seven to eight days to get an answer to find out if you have the virus. Now we're talking we're talking tests that tell you in five minutes. We're talking about people working night and day to develop a vaccine. We're talking about people developing the ventilators at rapid speed in faster numbers and at lower cost than we were doing. America's being America. We're going to survive this, but we have to have the American fighting can-do spirit survive this too. It has to survive. We have to be the leaders. The American people have to step up. We have to be the leaders to say our country is going to survive. We're going to emerge stronger. We're going to come roaring back in our economy. We're not going to sit down in our homes and surrender to the stay at home until you're allowed to speak edicts. We're going to stand up and fight for the return of our economy. I'm going to talk more about that on this show on Wednesday. Right now, I am pushing the envelope of Matt the Wonderful, who's at, who's at his house, wondering, is she ever going to get to why it matters to you? And yes, I am. So right now, my friends, I want to talk to you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So to start with, our very first story from today, we have the Democrat governors nixing the FDA-approved chloroquine. Democrat governors in Michigan and Nevada and New York briefly banned the use of the anti-malarial drug for COVID-19. Their rationale was more or less Trump expressed hope about the drug and they hate Trump. An Arizona man died after voluntarily swallowing fish tank cleaner that he wrongly thought was the same as the drug. Never Trumpers hyped a false message that Trump recommended a flawed drug. FDA has now approved the drug Trump touted, and it is showing efficacy. Great news. France, Bahrain, other companies have documented positive results. Those governors, and I assume they've now changed their minds, but they were and maybe are affirmatively harming infected patients with their, within their states. TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, remains as, as or more dangerous than COVID-19. As to virus spending, is it a socialist rescue? Uh, yes, it is, actually. President Trump's instinct to go big to show care and commitment is understandable. The $2 trillion package 
probably has some calming effect, as psychologists are saying, but lots of danger signals. The government has no money. Rescues are just adding to our debt. Distributing mind-blowing amounts of money is always accompanied by abuses. Kennedy Center, great example, 25 million, and promptly lays off all of his musicians. Fostering a culture of dependence and socialism, including socialized medicine, how many more times can it be done before collapsing the dollar and igniting inflation? Americans' attitudes and behavior toward getting back to work will determine if the cure will be worse than the disease. And helping America get back to work, my very fine friends, the U.S. economy is not a carton of ice cream we can put in the shelf of a freezer and pull out at any time. And it will still be the same. It will still be good. It's a carton of ice cream in a freezer where the power has been shut down. America needs to turn the power back on. America needs to go back to work. More voices must speak out. Getting back to work does not preclude care for the sick and vulnerable. Americans can practice hand washing and safe distancing and still go back to work. Economic despair is a health risk that can be felt by people all and, and, and still, I'm sorry, economic despair can is a health risk that can be felt by people of all ages. It could be far more serious than COVID-19's health risk. And finally, my friends, the last one we had was uh, hope, America, goodness, why it matters to you. All of what we are producing in our country, all of what we are producing in our country is what is needed in our country for us to get by, get through this crisis. Tests, masks, hand sanitizers, ventilators, American companies are stepping up. MIT released a newly designed $100 ventilator free from manufacturing to start making. Volunteer efforts helping the meals for the needy are sprouting up all. I didn't even get to that story. You should see all the list of things in our little county, Dallas County, and it's all over the country is happening. People are volunteering to help each other. It's, we are a good, noble country. Help and support of healthcare workers is also spreading. America is a great country. Americans, not politicians, will be in charge of saving and preserving their country. Look for an America Can We Talk petition to send to the White House. I am starting a petition letting the White House know America agrees we want to go back to work. Let Americans be free. Let Americans go back to work. And that my show, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here for America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Talk. Truth about America. Can you